0: The Investable Podcast. My name is Michael Melfi, and today we have Dana Cavalia on the show with us. He is a peak performance coach who spent 12 years with the New York Yankees as their director of strength and conditioning and performance enhancement. He's worked alongside some of the greats like Derek Jeter, Alex Rodriguez, Andy Pettig, Mariano Rivera, and a whole lot more, including Justin Verlander. Dana, I want to welcome you to the show. Thanks for having me. And, Data, you've had an opportunity to work with many great athletes, and today you formulate plans and strategies to improve sleep, reduce pain, stress, improve body composition, and overall maximum performance. When I read about you, you're about helping people live life like a pro, and I just thought it would be awesome to have you on the show. We talk a lot about entrepreneurialism and, and how to be investable, and I just think some of the things that we're going to talk about, today will be perfect for the audience around that. So thanks so much for coming on.
1: You got it. Absolutely.
0: And I, I want to really quick, just kind of rewind time a little bit and go back. You, you have a pretty interesting story of how you ended up with the New York Yankees working with them.
1: Yeah, I started uh, actually as an intern at the University of South Florida. I was uh, a New York kid, grew up a fan, you know, sitting in the nosebleed section with my father. And, uh, you know, I'm the son of two teachers. And, you know, I, I got to watch the game, you know, whenever we went, but it was from a distance. And, you know, like every other kid, your dream is to one day... Get on that field as a player and you know as I, I played in baseball in college and I realized you know two years in that my skill level and talent level wasn't going to get me you know that pro level contract so I had to really start thinking about what I wanted to do with my life and my career and you know from the news police section I did see a, a guy on the field one time stretching players and taking care of them and I really thought uh, kept that image in my mind and that guy turned out to be the you know the strength and conditioning coach who a few years later I would end up working with and oh, you know, cool. again, I started as an intern at the University of South Florida and we got a call one day, the football coach that I worked under got a call from the Yankees and said, hey, do you have anyone over there that could help us out in the weight room and, you know, just basically, you know, put plates away, clean and to hold the fort down while we're on the field with the big boys and I got a shot to be that guy a couple days a week and really I just, I gave it everything I had. And I started a few years as an intern, and then a few years later, I actually got the, the head physician. So it was a pretty pretty fun ride for a 19-year-old.
0: So. I think it's an awesome story. I think it's very fortuitous. You, you had a vision for it. It came to be, and you were able to attract it into your life, and obviously went on to be a really successful career for 12 years. i got to ask, is, you've had a lot of success in your career and worked with great people. Has there been one moment that's been the most challenging? And if so, what did you learn from it?
1: Yeah, I think the most challenging moment was really getting out of my own way as that nineteen year old. You know, when you're nineteen years old and you're around guys like Jeter and Abron and Posada and really all these stars, you know, you're still developing your own confidence. And, you know, really you're dealing with the hardest thing I'd overcome was dealing with my own insecurities as a, a young man at nineteen years old that really didn't even know the field of strength and conditioning and performance and training and I I would go home and I'd study, like, the buzzword back then was core, and uh, I really became a core specialist. I'd be reading books and writing down different programs, and I said, I'm going to be really good at this one segment of my field, and that's what I would offer to my players when I was in the weight room, and that, that little bit was, every time i get to work with somebody, just offering something very small like that, my confidence would actually grow. But the reality is, getting out of my own way thoroughly and believing in myself you know, and not comparing myself to the bank accounts that they had versus me as a college kid. You know, that was something I had to really get through and, and, and uh, end up on the other
0: side of. I can only imagine being 19 years old and hanging around them with their bank accounts. It's yeah. it's kind of two different worlds, and to, to manage that's got to be a lot, but it sounds like it was a really great lesson. Yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> you know, it tests you, you
0: know? So you, you've obviously... Been able to be part of and even experience people who have achieved success at the highest level professionally in, in what they do, and, and you've been part of training them for that. I would ask you, how do how do you define success? What does that look like for you? Yeah, for me, it's, it's, first off, it's identifying, it's knowing what your talent is, and when you find what your talent
1: and what you know what your talent is, then you go and you relentlessly deploy that talent in the right spaces and to the right people, and at that point, what You'll go to work every day and you'll really enjoy what you're doing because you're using an innate skill. I just feel like a lot of people are typically out of position and they have a hard time finding success because they're doing something that they're probably not supposed to be doing and they struggle. So for me, success is taking what you're good at naturally and applying it in the environment in which you desire to
0: apply it. I think that's a great definition, and I appreciate you sharing that with our listeners. And when we prepared for this, we talked a little bit about how you typically assist people in getting to peak performance. And I'm hoping we can spend the rest of our time together talking a little more about that. Because peak performance isn't just physical performance. It's it's all attributes that go into that, whether it be sleep, whether it be eating, whether it be just being able to have the mindset and the beliefs and so I'm looking at you know we have a lot of listeners that are entrepreneurs they own companies that are growing some people out there are successful and looking to exit their company and I wanted to hopefully yeah. let them take away some daily rituals or some things that they could start implementing into their lifestyle if they haven't already that could really take them to the next level how's that sound yeah no absolutely And you know as
1: I transition you know from working with the Yankees and, and training that high-level talent when I was in the position and um, you know, even afterwards, I'm constantly being approached by, you know, CEOs and executives and saying, Hey, how did you optimize performance for these guys that had to play every day, compete at the highest level, travel across the whole country and do that, you know, for basically nine months straight without a real break outside mm-hmm. of three days around the all star break. Yeah. And really it came down to Knowing these guys as individuals and I feel today a lot of the advice that's out there, you know, whether it be on the internet or being pushed, it's very generalized and it's not individualized and in order to truly help somebody maximize performance, the most important thing is to know who that person is, what makes them tick, what their quirks are, what their demons are and working through that with them. So I I use what I call my five drivers of performance, which is mindset training, fueling, recovery, and then influence. So once I can understand your mindset and what your thoughts are, what your patterns are, are they typically more negative, failing patterns of thought, or are they more positive and optimistic and highly visionary? Once I understand what your patterning is of thought, then I can start to direct you. When it comes to training, you know, what do you like? What do you enjoy? What do you hate? I need to know those things before I tell you, hey, you need to do interval running, and you need to run five miles a day. You may not be that guy mentally or gal, and physically after I assess and evaluate you, you may not actually be able to do those things. I really have to get to know who you are as an individual before any level of prescription could be put into play you know, and I will say this is on top, was slightly off. You know, you have a lot of people today that are taking a bunch of different medications, you know, from Xanax, to sleep aids, to medications that could create mood altering. So that's a part of that intake as well. Sometimes somebody may say, I'm in a bad space, or physically I feel like this, and it's really just a, a medication that may be altering, you know, their state. So individualization is the key to performance optimization.
0: Awesome. And you I know you went through five. I think we got through a couple. The next one, You do you mind wrapping up the fueling in the last couple?
1: Yeah. So when it comes to fueling, I know a lot of the executives that I work with, you know, they're traveling, but they're also, you know, they're having a lot of meals and they're having their meetings, whether it's lunch or dinner. So it's about structuring their meals based around their palate. So you can tell someone to eat, you know, salad and grilled chicken every day of the week. But there's people that don't like that. So, what we talk about is how do we create clean eating for you based around your social schedule? Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's, hey, I typically golf on Saturday and I go out with the boys afterward. How do I get you to make the right choices afterward while everybody else may be, you know, a little bit more reckless? And, and that doesn't mean I come in and say, don't eat this, don't drink that. You can't drink decay. It's not, if you're going to go out on Friday night, lower your calories. Can we lower your carbohydrates? Can we up your proteins? So, when you do go out, and socialize, you're typically, you know, the typical socialization foods are high in carb, high in fat, high in calories, so if I can lower your carb, lower your fat, and lower your calories leading up to it, your caloric balance will actually save you from putting on weight and feeling, you know, subpar about yourself. So it's understanding people and what their needs are and that's how you coach people. And then just finishing up on, you know, the recovery and the influence. Recovery is saying, hey, when you get in this state of overwhelm or you get in this state of, you know, anxiety, how do you use recovery strategies to get out of those states? You know, whether it's using hot water soaks or steam or other things to kind of bring your elevation level down. So we put those tools in place. And then influence, I found this to work really well with my CEOs because these guys, their whole company is looking up to them. So if they get their life on track, it's that trickle-down effect. And people will say, wow, look at so-and-so, what he did, and he leads this company. And then typically those CEOs will create a healthier um, environment. One of my guys in particular, you know, he doesn't allow certain foods in his food room. And he, he kind of works to create a really positive culture of performance, you know, personal performance, because he took the journey himself.
0: That's awesome. So, mindset training, fueling, recovery, and influence. Those are are five great ones, and I appreciate that. I'd love to just kind of throw some other questions out there that you can answer based on those or just your experience in general. I I know people always debate, and there's a debate amongst me and and some people sometimes. What's the optimal number of hours of sleep for someone?
1: Yeah, it definitely varies, but here's what I always remind people whether you sleep six hours or you sleep. You know, nine and a half, what you want to remember is your sleep cycles run in 90-minute cycles. So you don't want to wake up in the middle of one because that's when you wake up feeling really just off-kilter and, and almost angry at times because you know, <laughs> you've gotten such a such a deep sleep. So if you could look at your sleep and say, all right, if I, so six hours is, is, you know, think about it, six hours if I'm running in 90-minute cycles, you're running through a few of those cycles. You know, four 90-minute cycles gets you your six hours. Yeah. So then it's either six hours, seven and a half, nine, or ten and a half. Huh. So Makes if you sense. can plan your sleep, you know, and approximate, hey, this is how long it takes you to go to sleep, and, and just e- ensure that you're not waking up at minute like 45 to, to 75, that's a, good, that's a good bet. Got it. Because you know, that's kind of like where you're at your, de- at your deepest level, you know, of sleep. But, but again, there's people that function at six, I don't, and can do that maybe once a week. There's other people that can function with six hours sleep, you know, indefinitely. So again, that's where it comes back to that individualization. And one thing I wrote about last week was, you know, I was reading somebody say, hey, if you're not up between four and five, you're basically a loser and not going to make it in business because all the winners are up early. And I know guys, I mean, I work with guys that are sports team owners. They're billionaires. They don't get up till 8.30. And they still work. They still have a job. They still go to work every day. So those blanket strategies, And those blanket statements, they don't help people, but they hurt more people than they help. So it's about the individual.
0: So I think that's a good one to segue into this one I wrote down is which is better, the long, hard hours or just working short spurts of time?
1: Yeah, this is another, I I do a daily blog and uh, I wrote about this the other day, it was um, talking about people procrastinating and why do people procrastinate and a lot of it has to do with the fact that people are tired you know you sit somebody at a desk for eight hours you're not getting eight hours of production out of them you know they're sitting there god knows what they're doing (laughs) scrolling and, and checking facebook maybe for four of those hours and the other four they're very effective so what i suggest is you know when you identify what your power plays are for the day, which are your key things that you need to get done that will move the needle, that's all you really need to get done for the day. Anything above that is, is gravy. So I suggest people, again, much like their sleep cycles, they're working in 30, 60, or 90-minute blocks, depending on, on how long they can focus. There's people that can give great focus for 30 minutes, and that's their peak. Other people can go for 90 minutes. And then some people, the 60 works best. So you go hard for that 30, 60, 90. You know, give yourself a break and pull out and kind of relax. And then you can go back in. So if if you can do four of those blocks a day, you're going to get between, you know, two and six hours of really good work, depending on your capacity. Everybody's got a different work capacity, you know, and, and will produce at different levels. So
0: speaking about working at at the optimal level, my research showed that you like 5 a.m. to 2 p.m., but is there really a best time of the day for working? I, I just got done reading Daniel Pink's book, When. Do you find that there's a best time where you get maximum performance in general?
1: Yeah, for me for me, it's, it's 5 to 2. I'm a morning person, but if you were to ask me to work from 5 p.m. to 2 a.m., I would be a nightmare. <laughs> I used to have to actually shop for a 7 o'clock game. I would be showering at 9 p.m. just to stay awake to train players after the game and to, and to drive home. So for me, it doesn't, I would say as long as you can check your boxes and you're getting your, you know, appropriate fuel in throughout the day and you're eating at structured times, you're getting your work done at structured times and you're making sure you're getting your sleep in the, the, when you get it done, it really doesn't matter. I mean, you think of my father's a musician and he, he, he could never be up early, it's just not his game, but he could stay up at night and get his work done with the best of them. My wife's father is an artist and it's the same thing. So I think certain fields may also, you know, have certain tendencies, but the when is really, again, I, I'm such an individualized guy, that's, that's what I, I lean on just in my personal experience of working with a lot of different people, it's all individual.
0: Got it. You know, entrepreneurs tend to tend to juggle a lot of different things. And quite often, they're, they're hard to stay consistent on one thing it is how important is consistency and the ability to create success and be a, an ultimate athlete or a peak performer?
1: It's everything. You're your best players. People say, hey, what makes the best the best? And I say one word consistency consistency over time will yield you your greatest result. And having worked with these guys that are, you know, these first round Hall of Famers that are amazing and some truly amazing entrepreneurs, their discipline to consistent process is amazing. They don't waste time and they don't do, you know, they're not putting in time just to put in the time and Mm -hmm. click the clock. They're doing work. Hey, what do I have to do? Once that's done, I'm done. And a guy like Derek Jeter, you know, I grew up hearing, you've got to be the first to the field and the last to leave. Well, when I saw Jeet work, he was the last one at the field and the first to leave. So here I am, perplexed that I spent my whole <laughs> youth as an aspiring player, you know, doing it the opposite way. And it was like, so when he got to the field, it was all business. Everything was timed and calculated, and I could tell you where he would be at 645 before every game. I could tell you where he'd be at 545. Huh. But everything is... is scheduled and planned, and then there's flex time built in to where it's your time to do whatever you want. You know, personally, I'll share this. You know, I have a consistent bedtime. I have a consistent wake-up time, and I read my blog every day, and I work out. Once I get those things, those are my pillars. I build everything else around that. So you have to have your own personal, I guess, you you know, anchors that you put in place, and then you could build your day around that. Yeah,
0: that's so. That's so interesting. Is just you know, so many people, whether it be a traditional job or whether it be the entrepreneurial, just hustle, is. They got to get there and they put themselves behind that or after that. And it's just, it's so easy yeah. to say, I got to get this deadline done or I got to get this done. And when hearing you talk about that, it's, that's one of the most important things is making your time first thing and for you in the morning before you get moving into anything else.
1: Yeah, you have to, somebody told me this, you know, being in the service field, my job, you know, for for my lifetime has been, you know, serving others and servicing others. And if you don't serve yourself first, you're going to have nothing to give those other people. And I I learned that early, you know, that just because I'm a coach and I'm in the physical space and, you know, I'm supposed to be taking care of my body all the time, I, I noticed that I was putting my players and my high-profile job ahead of me. And I kept falling further and further behind and I was trying to grab the rope. And I until I made the distinction, nobody goes before me, that's when my life changed. And and the, the biggest battle that any entrepreneur will have to face is business versus themselves. And oftentimes they will always put their business in that meeting and that phone call before themselves until they have some sort of a wake-up call. And that's this whole, The buzz of work-life balance now is such a, so prevalent in, in the corporate world and it's because people have just chosen work over themselves and company cultures have forced them to also do that in a lot of ways. So we want max production and we need you to not take vacations and not do all these things that you should be doing to take care of yourself. So wow. that's the way I see it.
0: Nobody goes before me. I love that. That's a good... I think we need yeah. a shirt. I think you need to make a shirt with that on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll, maybe I'll wear it. I like that. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll buy some right now where you're done. <laughs> awesome. So awesome. as far as... as far as A couple more here is... Yeah. You don't do it on your own. You need a team. You need a tribe around you. What? How do you go about picking the people that are there to support you how, how do you know they're the right people
1: yeah one of my one of my clients i work with he gave me a, a tip years ago and he said if anybody causes you any level of angst they gotta go family or friends and you know he said i took he took the same into his into his corporation as well and you know this guy was really successful he, he sold his business for you know hundreds of millions of dollars, and, he, and that was his philosophy. If, you, if I have to spend more time on you, you gotta go. Look, he, he just wasn't into people taking his energy, and A-Rod was actually a guy about that, too. He called people around him. If you're an energy vampire, and you're dark, and you have dark energy, you have to get away from me. Huh. So these, yeah, anybody or anything that takes your energy you know, that you need to be using that for positive. If somebody's zapping that from you, they got to, they have to go. And you could use that as a really, you know, easy, easy check. Hey, when I'm around this person, how do I feel? And it answers itself. It's, it's, you may not want to have that answer, but, you know, it may put you in a tough position at times. But, but it's the truth you
0: know? It's great advice. Let me ask you this. Obviously, I, I know working out is important to you or being, you know, physical training is important. So that, that's an obvious one. But you mentioned a lot of different things along the way and just ice baths, heat treatments, acupuncture. I mean, we've talked about a couple of different things we've been talking through this. How important are those or how do you integrate those into the daily kind of method that, that well, people have? Well,
1: yeah. So all of these different things, modalities that are available to you, those are just tools. So it's not like everybody needs to do yoga and it's not like everybody needs to meditate and it's not that everybody needs to take hot baths but you need to know the power of those tools and you need to know when to use those tools and deploy them as needed and you also need to know like you know for me one of the things that that I've you know come in my journey right I've dealt with at different points in my life I've dealt with stress And then I found out the difference for me between stress and anxiety. And I said, okay, when I feel like I'm anxious, what do I do? And now that I've been through that a few times, how can I feel the onset of that three to five days before so I can start to deploy, Mm. you know, some of those tools that are needed as opposed to, oh no, it's, I feel it. What do I do now? Yeah. And and I need to now use, I need to understand my own psychology and my own physiology as well. So the first thing, when you look at each person, it's about finding out where they're at and then teaching them about all of these different tools. Because there are so many out there. And if you tell someone, Hey, here's these 50 different tools you could use. A lot of some people will try to do all 50 in a day, in a week, or they just don't know how to put it together and how it applies. So if you're somebody that has major flexibility issues or back pain, I probably wouldn't put you in a structured weight training routine until I was able to cure you of those physical limitations. Mm. So you right now, you may need to use, you know, massage therapy, mobility training and, you know, flexibility type training before you're eligible to actually start the weight training. So you just have to let people know, hey, these are all our tools and we're going to use them at different times as we move you through your personal journey because it's, it's personal. And this is my, my biggest issue with a lot of the, you know, media and the articles that are out there that people... You know, it's like, oh, eat eat kale because it'll save your life. <laughs> you know, and if if a guy doesn't like kale, he's not going to eat the kale, or she's not going to eat the kale. So, so that article, that's great, but it's not going to work in this situation. Or you know, claims and bold and blanket statements, it doesn't. That never, that never, never works because there's no one-size-fits-all. And again. Having worked with people at different ages and different parts of their life and career transition, you need to deploy different tools at different times. And that, that's really the art. That's the art.
0: I appreciate that. And before we wrap it up, I got one last one. I I know you've you've talked about some different books at times. One was The Power of Positive Thinking. I want to ask you a little bit about beliefs. And I'm going to ask this from the context of my experience having met not just elite athletes, but elite performers in different industries. It always amazes me the level of belief they have around whatever they're working on. And I just want to hear what your thoughts are around beliefs, and especially as it relates to some of your experience with what the world would consider some of the most. The, the lead athletes of the world?
1: Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, you said the belief in what they're working on. And I look at it when you say that one level deeper before they can have belief in whatever they're working on, they have belief in themselves. And that's the foundation of success for all of these high performers. You know, people call it e- ego. People call it swag. But the reality is you yeah. have to have, you know, you have to have swag. You have to have a level of ego. You have and when you combine that with passion and talent, it's a very dangerous recipe for success. So that self belief is everything. Because I mean, if not, you're going to get derailed. You know, with any any bad news, you're gonna, you're going down. You know, so that that belief in self for me is the foundational building block of success in anything that you do.
0: Awesome. And the last thing that you know, obviously, this is the be investable podcast. How do you define being investable? Oh, man. Being investable, in, in in what way? Well, it, it's obviously more, and, and, and I probably should frame that up, it's more than just financially being investable, but how does someone be investable as a person in all areas of their life?
1: Yeah. You know, I do a lot of reading and a lot of listening, and you know, I came across something years ago that really struck me, and it was spoken by the late, great Jim Rohn, and he said, you know, you're... Everything's based on the value that you bring to something. If you want to get paid more money, you need to bring more value. If you want a better relationship, you need to bring more value. And it gets, that got me thinking and, and you can apply that to any part of your life. So to be investable, you know, you need to bring more to the table and give more than you expect to receive. And that, and over time, the more you give, it, you will receive you know, but I, you can't just do in order to succeed.
0: Dana, And I, I, I appreciate all your answers on that answer. And I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. You got it. Thank you. Well, there you have it. The latest episode of the be investable podcast until next time. Stay investable. In the meantime, check out our magazine by going to www. www getinvestable.com forward slash magazine and subscribe for a free issue. Additionally, you can find more great content through our amazing media partners, such as Cranes Business Detroit, Huffington Post, Michigan Business Network, Michepreneur, Smart Hustle Magazine, and Startup Nation. Thanks again for tuning in, and we look forward to talking with you soon.